Hans Plundemann uh, wrote a book called Leading Across Culture, and uh, he reflects on his experience growing up um, that taught him the eternal value of service to others and working hard. And even at what others might find to be menial jobs, he found a lesson. During his high school days, Plundelman worked at a Christian camp under the direction of an outstanding leader named Hiram Johnson. Plundelman writes, one day we worked until dark, trying to finish a staff house before the camp season started. My shirt was soaked with sweat and my hands blistered from shoveling and sand around the foundation. I was beginning to feel sorry for myself when Johnson strode in around the corner of the building. He watched what we were doing for a while and then quickly reminded us that the staff who were moving in this house would be a big help to the camp. Then he said something that I will never forget. You're shoveling will in, a long, in the long run be used of the Lord to bring a lot of campers to Jesus. We started shoveling with a renewed sense of purpose. Now we were not just a bunch of dirty, sweaty high school kids tired of shoveling mud. We were instruments of God Almighty to bring people to himself. What a lesson in leadership. Our view of the task shifted from shoveling sand to building the kingdom. Church, you've got to understand something. That everything we do to serve another person is kingdom work. It has kingdom impact. Everything we do to reach out and to love others, to, to take them as they are, is a way that we are serving in God's kingdom. It, it doesn't matter what you're doing. I, I've, I've been to Mexico where I've, I've had to build houses and huts, and I've been to uh, inner cities where I've had to minister to, to uh, crack addict families and, and their kids. And, and either way of what I've done, what I've discovered, is it doesn't matter how menial the work seems, it's kingdom work. Building a building in Mexico is housing Bible college students in Mexico who are learning to be ministers of the gospel, who are going out and changing their world. We've got to learn service. And we think that we know service, but we, we really sometimes lose track of what service is supposed to be. Anytime you are involved in the service other than doing the work, is it true service to the Lord then? You see, we look around and we say, well, I want this. I want to do this part because this is what I enjoy doing. Or this is, I'm not going to do that. That's somebody, somebody else can step up and do that. Service is when we give of ourselves regardless of what makes us happy or makes us feel good. Because service is always done for the Lord. Today we wrap up our series on biblical leadership that we've been going through as we discuss the biblical role of deacons. The role of a deacon is one that is very much misunderstood in the modern church. For some of you today, you will hear things for the very first time, but I can assure you it is absolutely biblical. Write these passages down, read them and study them for yourselves. And I'll always encourage you to do that, no matter what is being preached. The role of a deacon 
so much different than what you see in the modern church. So my prayer for us is that today we would open up our hearts and our minds to what Scripture actually says about being a deacon in his church. Let's pray. Father, I thank you and I praise you for choosing us. From the foundations of the world, God, you have set our paths. And Father, I ask that as we study your word this morning, that you would teach us. The Holy Spirit, you be present in this place. That you would convict our hearts, our minds. Not just to listen to these words, but Father, to be obedient to your word. And we thank you, Jesus, so much for giving us hope. Hope through your death and resurrection. And by believing in you, we can have grace. And it is because that grace that we are saved. We love and we thank you, Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen. So our passage this morning will be in 1 Timothy. Chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. As we look at deacons, you'll notice that this is right after um, the, the, the section that Paul writes on the qualifications of elders or overseers, bishops, pastors. And what we'll notice in this is that there's some similarities, but there are also some differences because it is a different role. The role of a deacon is very different than what you see in our churches today, according to the Bible. And that's what we want to discover today. Verse 8 says, deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Paul gives us a look into the character and qualities of a deacon. Most Bible scholars today don't look at these lists for the elders or for deacons as a checklist, but more of this is what people in leadership should look like. These are qualities, quali they're, they're character traits. So let's break down this word deacon. It is translated, uh, uh, sorry, it is transliterated. It's a transliteration, which means they've taken this word in Greek and they've taken it and they've transliterated it, meaning that they've, instead of translating completely to a different word, um, they've taken the word out of the, the Greek. So you'll understand what I'm saying here. The word is diakonos. Deacon. Diakonos. That's a transliteration. If you look at the word baptism or baptize, the Greek word is baptismo. In the English, it's baptize. Okay? That's a transliteration. Now, if we have something like logos, which translated into word, that's a translation, not a transliteration. Does that make sense? Greek 101, sorry, boring you. Anyway, 
This word diakonos means servant. Servant. One who serves, one entrusted to serve the needs of believers, one who waits on tables. This is what this word means, deacon, diakonos. Note as well that the word is used in both the masculine, and this might make some of you pass out, and feminine. It's used in the masculine and feminine, and we'll look at that in a little bit. The way the modern church sees the role of a deacon is very mixed. We have, we have uh, some churches that think the deacon is the same as an elder, but we can clearly see in this passage that it is not. It is not the same of, as an elder. Uh, if you take the, uh, and you put the, the qualifications for an elder and then also for the, the deacon, the list, the list is much, much shorter because it's a different role. And it's meant to be a different role. However, it is clear that there's a lot going on that we don't understand. There are churches that elect deacons as board members, as official people of authority in the workings of the church. There are churches that hire them as ministry staff, so as their ministers. Then there are churches that completely ignore the duties of a deacon. So which is the right way? Now, everything I'm going to tell you this morning is what the Bible says, and it may not be popular with what our modern church does. Just giving you a forewarning. The Bible is always right. Hands down. God's word wins. So what is the role of a deacon within biblical leadership? I believe that the modern church has largely gotten the role of a deacon wrong. The structure of leadership in the church today is many times based off of a, a secular business model world where, where it's, it's boards and, and voting and, and all this stuff. And, and that's just not what we see in the Bible when it comes to deacons. Listen to what Jim Darpole, who is a professor of New Testament and leadership at Ozark Christian College, wrote. And he's one of the premier scholars in this area, in our Bible colleges. He wrote an article about deacons in the Christian Standard, which is one of our publications. That You can go to christianstandard.com and you can read all these articles. He's got a series of three of them. He writes this. We want to call Bible things by Bible names. Sounds right. But sometimes we settle for calling worldly things by Bible names. Sure, we use biblical labels like deacon, but we merely slap these labels over a preferred secular model. An honest evaluation often reveals underlying templates from the American political system, corporate boardroom, or the 21st century social club. You want evidence? Number one, do you nominate and vote deacons into an office or appoint them as to a specific ministry need? Number two, do your deacons serve until their term is over or until their task is complete? Number three, do your deacons spend more time in meetings or in meeting needs? Number four, are your deacons known more for their titles than their service? We have recreated deacons in our cultural image. We have flipped what was meant to be an embodiment of Jesus' servant ministry 
and made it an embodiment of our own power structures. Let me be clear, he says. To be a deacon is not to have an honorific title, but to have a humble task. Deacons are not appointed to meet in committees, but to meet needs in the community. Deacons led the way, lead the way in Christ-like service. It is time for deacons to trade their ballots and boardrooms for the basin and towel. That's the biblical role of a deacon. This is what a biblical deacon is supposed to be. Yes, it is an office, but it is not an office of authority. Rather, it's an office of service. It's not an office of authority. Rather, it's an office of service. So, I want to take a little bit deeper dive in what Paul describes in our passage this morning. Deacons are to be of good moral character, is what he starts off with. He says they should have dignity. They should have dignity. This means that deacons are to take their spiritual lives seriously. That it's, it's not just a role to be served because the church needs them. It's a role to be served because one takes their spiritual walk with Jesus in a serious ma manner. It's what brings them dignity. They understand that their role as a deacon is not to just be there, but to be everywhere, meaning to serve needs. They are to be sincere in their faith. It's a real thing to them. It's not just a Sunday or a Wednesday thing. It's an all-week faith. In their dealings with others, they're sincere and they're honest. They're to be respectable in the community and in the church. Paul says they are not to be double-tongued. This, this means a deacon should be someone who is honest and upright. Always. That they're honest and upright. They are not two-faced. They're not one way around this person and, this, and another way around this other person, but they are consistent in their life. They don't talk behind the backs of others, and they don't live hypocritically. That's coming from Paul. That's what a deacon is supposed to look like. Not addicted to alcohol. Like I said a couple weeks ago, concerning elders. If you didn't, don't remember this part. If your accountability partners are Jim Beam, Jack Daniels, Samuel Adams, and the guy from the Desakis commercial, you have a problem. You're not to be addicted to alcohol. It's not to control your life. Jesus has to be your outlet. It can't be anything else. Insert anything else. Anything that controls you or you, you become addicted to. If that comes over Jesus and that's your stress relief, if that's whatever you find your, your peace in, then there's something wrong. Jesus is your outlet. They are not to be greedy, Paul says, seeking dishonest gain. Deacons should be generous with their time, with their money, and all the other resources that they have. It's generosity. And they should be generous without expecting anything in return. There should be no giving and saying, well, I gave that, so 
It should be generous without expecting anything in return. There is no gain from giving in generosity from you. It's not saying, I'm going to give this so that I can get. That's greedy. That's what Paul's talking about. Not, not seeking their own gain and dishonest gain. That's a dishonest way of giving. When you give to God, it is God's. Period. They need to be devoted to the faith. They need to be devoted to the faith. Now, Paul says they are to hold strong to the mystery of the faith. This means that they are to be people of what? Of the Bible. Of the word of God. They are to be people of the word. This means that they are to study and to grow, to be a part of what we have going on as a, as a church of offering growth opportunities. Deacons should be in Sunday school all the time. Deacons should be in Bible studies. They should be doing the things that need to be done to be devoted to the faith. They should be leading their families. They should be studying the word on their own. It is a devotion to faith. They are committed to live according to the truth of God's word, not according to what society says. It's God's word that wins every time. They need to have spiritual depth and not just a shallow understanding of the faith. A deacon should be able to answer questions that unbelievers might have because they are devoted to the faith. Check out what Paul says at the end of verse 9, that all of this should be done with a clear conscience. This means that there should be nothing in their lives that is a contradiction or inconsistent. Now, again, we're not perfect. We're going to have times of trouble and struggle. But what we need to do is strive to be consistent in our lives, to not have our lives contradict what we profess in Jesus Christ. To be consistent. And they must not profess one thing and practice another. Consistency. A deacon must be proven. Be proven. Paul is suggesting that a deacon should be proven in their faith. This is not to say that there's a, a potential deacon that we take and we put him through this test. That he's got to prove his worth. That's not what this is about. It means that they should not be new converts. We shouldn't be bringing people who, are, who have been a Christian for six months and say, hey, would you like to be a deacon in our church? We're setting them up for failure. They should not be a new convert, but they should be one who is maturing in their faith. doesn't mean that they have to be a Christian for 10 years, but we have to discern as to who we appoint as deacons so that they're not struggling, trying to serve, and struggling, trying to grow. They should be proven. They need to be submitted to Jesus for a little while. This is a necessary thing to prove that they are maturing in their walk with Christ. A deacon should be growing in their faith. That is the last one. They need to be devoted to the faith. There should be growth there. Those who are maturing in their faith will be more likely to live lives that are consistent 
and that are above reproach. There should be lives free of ungodly accusations. Nobody should have anything against them. And if there is, then you need to take a step back and say, okay, what do I need to do to, to, to make this right? It's part of being spiritually mature. Now, verse 11, Paul changes course. I want you to hear this, please, because it's important. Remember the word diakonos is used in the masculine and in the feminine. Paul devotes all of verse 11 to women in the same context of talking about deacons. Hear this. It is in the exact same context. He's not having a, a moment of, of absence of mind saying, well, where was I? This is Paul in the exact same context. Bible scholars today believe that women that are mentioned here are either wives of the deacons or they are deacons themselves. There's not a lot of argument as to either one. It's just that's what Bible scholars are saying today, okay? Let's look at Phoebe. Romans chapter 16, verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Cancrea. That word servant, translated, is the word diakonos. That word translated is the word diakonos. Now, churches in our modern time have an issue with saying that women can be deacons because they have always looked at deacons as symbols of authority. The Bible says that women are not to have authority over men, right? Can we agree on that? That's what the Bible says. But if deacon is taken as it's supposed to be biblically, deacons are not positions of authority. Where in the deacon is described that they must teach? Nowhere. This word diakonos is meant to be a position in an office of servanthood, not authority. It's what the Bible is saying. Whether or not Paul is just talking about wives or he's addressing women who are actual deacons. It is clear that there's an important character traits here that they must have. We can all agree on that. There are important character traits here that we must have, that women must possess. If you're either your wife or you believe you can be a deacon, whatever. Now, I tend to lead towards Paul addressing these women as deacons. All the scriptural evidence points to it. Phoebe was a servant, a deacon in the church. Priscilla was a servant and deacon in the church. Again, not a position of authority, but of a position of servanthood. This is consistent with the biblical definition of deacons. So like the men, they too are to be dignified in their faith. Okay, there's this dignity aspect of, of Christians in general. You should be dignified in your faith. 
that you should be, you should be approachable and, and, and kind and, and looked to. They're to be worthy of respect. Okay, and that comes with the way you treat others. You will get respect from others by the way you treat them. So you need to be worthy of respect. How you serve and how you love brings that. They are not to be slanderers, or in other translations it says gossips. The Greek word here for slanderer is diablos. You ever heard the word diablo? What do we, what do we connect that with? The devil, okay? So the word for slanderer is diablos, which in the noun form is devil, who is the chief slanderer of others. This is one of the things the devil does is he slanders people. He gossips people. Okay? This is what this word actually means. The devil slanders and gossips to cause division. Rather, Paul says that they should be sober-minded or temperate. They should be collected and under control in their life, not giving in to the slander and the gossip. They have to be well-balanced in their life. Paul then ends verse 11 by instructing that the women be faithful in all things. This is being trustworthy in their dealings, in their service to others, and in their walk with Jesus. And then Paul quickly comes back to verse 12. And he says to be good managers of the home. Paul comes back to the men as they are charged with the leadership of their homes. People make that, that argument. Well, see, he's talking about being a man of but one wife. Well, he's talking about the leadership in the home, okay? And so the man is always charged with the leadership of the home, period. All through Genesis, all the way through the Revelation, the man is charged with the leadership of their home. So he brings up this leadership aspect of what it means to be a deacon. That they are to be a one-woman man. Again, a one-woman man is committed to their wife. It doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be married. Because otherwise that would have disqualified Paul from being an elder. Because Paul was never married. But they had to be a one-woman man. Eyes for her only. In our modern context, that means that you don't go off and look at other women and on the internet or on a magazine or on your phone or in the store or whatever. You have eyes for only your wife. That's what it means to be a one-woman man. To take care of her. Your emotional attachment should not be to other women, but it should be to your wife. Take care of her. They need to be a successful father. Kids perfect? No. Not going to happen. If you've raised kids, you know that. <laughs> kids are not perfect, but yet it means to lead them in all the ways of Jesus. To lead them in the word. You are a pastor if you are a dad. Period. You are a pastor. And they will look to you. And so will others. Now, at the end of our passage, Paul writes that those who serve well as deacons will earn for themselves good standing and great confidence. It's important that the deacons serve well. That they serve well. Since the beginning of August, we've been 
learning what it takes to be a good leader and a servant in our homes and in the church. We looked at humility and holiness that Jesus uh, teaches us as his, with his example of washing the feet in John 13. And we've spent the last four weeks breaking down the roles of biblical elders and today biblical deacons. You see, to be a leader in our home or in the church, it will take a willingness to submit your entire life to Jesus Christ. If you get one thing out of this whole series, I want you to get that. To be a leader in our home or in the church, it will take your entire life being surrendered to Jesus. You cannot lead if you do not know how to follow. So I challenge you to be a servant leader, whether it's in the church or in your home, in the community. Be a servant leader. The church needs men who will lead and guide the church as elders, and the church needs people who will step up and serve as deacons as they are appointed to be servants in the church. Remember, deacons is an office, but it's not an office of authority. It's an office of servanthood. We need people who will serve. Finally, our families need parents who will lead in their homes. Lead your children. It's all a difficult task. However, you're not alone. The Lord has gone before you. The Lord has gone before you to prepare the path. He knows all you have to do is follow. So my question for you, is are you willing to live biblically and follow Jesus? Let's pray. God, I thank you and I praise you for giving us your word. Lord, that you teach us, you guide us. But Father, you've not only given us your word so that you can teach and guide, but Lord, that we would be obedient. So I pray, Lord, that we would. Help us, God. Help us to live according to your standards and not the world's. Teach us to be obedient. I pray, Lord, for those in this room who may not know you, that today would be the day that they come in relationship with you, Jesus. We are nothing in this life without your grace. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you for what you've done. We thank you for saving us, that we may be used by you. It's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.